Welcome to the Fitness Oracle, where we have real conversations with real people, just like you, with real stories, just like yours. I am your host, John Katsavos, and today I have the honor of introducing a remarkable individual who has transformed his life through the power of martial arts. Please join me in welcoming Matt State. From an abused and bullied school, bullied school dropout, scrawny kid with asthma who lost his father to suicide and was diagnosed with PTSD as a teenager through exposure to violence, to chant to a champion martial artist, bouncer, and bodyguard. Best-selling author, business owner, online course creator, speaker, coach, TikTok, and short-form video specialist. Matt's journey is nothing short of extraordinary. At 50, he returned to a full-time education to achieve his Master of Science in Marketing and is now working on finishing his PhD while finalizing his latest book based on how businesses can successfully use short-form content. Today, we delve deep into the world of martial arts. With Matt, we discuss the age-old question of which martial art is best, the incredible benefits of martial arts in building self-confidence and controlling the ego, and how martial arts is evolving with modern technology and social media. Matt's insights and experiences shed light on the current state of martial arts and inspire us to, ex to explore its transformational power in our own lives. But before we dive in, I want to remind you to join the Fitness Oracle newsletter today. By subscribing, you'll gain exclusive access to a range of exciting perks. Be the first to know about our new episodes, get early access before they get released to the public. But that's not all. As a subscriber, you'll also receive a one-on-one -on -one phone call with me where we'll discuss your fitness and lifestyle goals and how we can help you achieve them. Plus, you'll get free access to our private community where we hold community calls to discuss episodes and how you're applying the lessons to your life. And that's not all. As a member of our exclusive community, you'll get access to some exciting programs that we're launching so you can continue your journey towards health and wellness. Join the Fitness Oracle newsletter today and start your journey towards a happier, healthier you. Now, without further ado, let's dive into this incredible conversation with Matt State and explore the power of martial arts. Welcome to the show. Yeah, hi. Pleased to be here. So, how's the uh, how's the progress going with the uh, the Festival of Martial Arts coming along? I know you're planning that uh, for a while now. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we had the last big site meeting on this weekend, Saturday, just gone. Where that was great. The weather was fantastic. The event venue is uh, is amazing, and so yeah, it's just putting all that hard work together now so that the timetable runs and everybody sort of gets to enjoy the the weekend so um it's a lot of hard work to go but it's all starting to really take shape now so yeah great looking forward to it very cool very cool and when is the when is it so the festival itself is here in the uk down in somerset 
And it's the first weekend in July. So it's the starts on the Friday, the 30th, and then the first and second of July. So people can come either for the full weekend and camp, stay, have a great time, or they can just drop in on a day ticket, whichever they prefer. Very cool. Very cool. I know we had, a, we had, we used to have a festival of martial arts here in Toronto. Um, well, right now I'm in Vancouver, but in, in Toronto, we had a, a 20 years ago it was the most amazing thing that you could ever experience if anybody is out in the uk and they're watching this or you're listening to it do yourself a favor if you're if you are interested in martial arts you will never find a martial arts place where you can actually see a huge amount of martial arts so you're going to do yourself a disservice if you don't go well, that's all thank I'm you say. <laughs> no, thank you for saying so yeah we've got uh, an awful lot of really good, high-level, knowledgeable instructors, not just in martial arts, but fitness, bushcraft, survival skills. Um, we've got business and mindset coaches and things as well. So there's a whole, whole raft of stuff going on. Very cool, very cool. Um, so I usually kick off the show with um, a couple of questions just to get a good feel, and so the audience gets a good feel about who you are and why you started everything. So what got you first interested in the line of work that you're doing right now. Um, what do, do you mean? The martial arts instruction, the security, which um, um, was, let's let's it? kick it off with the martial arts, and and um, we can dip into the security the security aspect as well because martial arts and security go pretty much hand in hand. So, what got you interested in martial arts first and foremost? Um, well, so I won't I won't dwell on it too much because I've done that in other places and. Um, I've written about it extensively, but I didn't have a particularly great childhood in a lot of ways. There was a lot of violence. It was it was it was pretty uncomfortable. And um, I sort of at that time as a young as a young guy, I was thinking about, you know, how I could um, how I could sort of get myself out of that situation, how I could better my life. And um, and I was a big fan of things like Tarzan and Spider-Man at the time. But the reality of it is, you know, I wasn't going to get adopted by a band of marauding gorillas and the chances of radioactive spiders where I lived were nil. So um, those were out of the equation. But I did see things like um, Kung Fu on the television, obviously Bruce Lee at the time. There were some wrestling heroes like Iron Fist and things that were on our televisions on Saturday afternoons. And all of those kind of gave me a, a view of what, what was a real superpower, an achievable superpower, which was, which was martial arts. And so even as a very small kid, it just really resonated with me. There was something about it that just spoke to me in a way that nothing else has ever done. You know, I, I, I have no real interest in football or tennis or motor racing or any of those things. Martial arts is the thing that just really awoke something in me right from a small child. Um, took me a long time to actually activate that and find ways to train and, and learn and that kind of thing. But that's where it first began way back then, watching sort of Bruce Lee and, and, and Kung Fu on the television and Monkey as well was another one that I was very fond of at the time. So those kind of things. And it was seeing seeing martial arts being portrayed as a, a superpower. I mean, we all know the reality. So I've you know, obviously, I'm a lot older and wiser now, but back then it was magical. Very cool, very cool. And the security part how did you, how did that come out? How did that come about? Oh, that was just the natural, straightforward progression. Really, I, I was sort of 
doing okay at the club. You know, I'm a big guy, um, you know, got some skills and winning some competitions and things. And then it was just that natural progression. Hey, do you fancy making a few pounds? Do you fancy doing a night? And, and at the time, of course, as a young man, I'm thinking, great, I'm going to get paid money. I'm going to be able to be around all of, all of these beautiful women because, you know, that's what the nightclub and, and pub scene was, was around. So I thought, great, I'm just going to be able to, you know, talk to women all night and get paid for the privilege and things. And uh, didn't quite turn out that way uh, as, as time went on. And you actually had to work for a in and um that sort of thing but but at the time it was th- those were th- and i also really i wanted to sort of test myself and see if i could do what we've been practicing and and whether those things actually worked and and there's that little part of you isn't there i think for most people anyway especially if they're younger there's that little bit of part of them that if you get a if you get a bright red ferrari that can do 150 miles an hour part of you wants to see that 150 miles an hour you know um and yeah. so there's there, there was that version of it within myself you know i'm young i'm fit i'm strong can i do it you know can i do what we say we can do so elements of that as well very cool very cool i know what you mean i know what you mean um have there ever been any moments where you just wanted to say screw this i'm just gonna go find a nine to five job and just numb out for the rest of my life and uh, i don't have to worry about uh security i don't have to worry about uh running the dojo or, or the club i don't have to worry about any of that uh yeah there's little moments along the way isn't there i think everybody has little moments doesn't matter what you do or how you do it there are peaks and troughs and and, and, and elements of, of of what you're doing and you think oh this isn't for me today you know um overall i love what i do and i love my journey i love the things that i've done along the way but there has been yeah there has been moments I, there was a um i spoke about this in in one of my books there was a time when i was working as a uh, a bailiff debt collector basically so um i was tasked with recovering people's bad debts now some of those people were genuinely just trying to rob people of what they owed other people had fallen on hard times and genuinely had problems you know and so it was one of those days where i was tasked to find this builder and he owed substantial amounts of money to various people and so the way that it worked is i would get a percentage of anything recovered right that was the kind of deal so um off I went to try and find this chap and he'd fallen off the planet. Nobody heard or seen him for a while. And I managed to track him down and find him. And long story short, he was actually in a small fold up bed in the front room of his mother's house. He'd had a terrible car accident. Um, so he'd made a lot of money, but just as quickly thrown it away as people do. You know, people that haven't been um, that haven't been taught how to handle money comes in one hand out the other and as a builder back then he was making a lot of money but it was being spent just as quick and he had this car accident um and basically the insurance that he had were really pushing not paying him out it was very difficult for that the benefit system here in the uk wasn't really working for him at the time there's this wall of bureaucracy um he'd lost everything that he owned and including his physical well-being he could barely walk and he'd had several operations at this stage and there he was lying in this you know, very small bed in the corner of his mother's front room. And there I was talking to this very elderly short lady who was very, very polite, kept offering me tea um, and talking to this guy and thinking, what am I doing? You know, and that was that was one of those moments where I really thought I shouldn't be doing this. And so I stopped. That was the last job that I did like that. And I and I sort of packed that in. So, yeah, there's 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 moments where you think, crikey. Um, And the same with the training, with teaching at the club. I love my club. I love my students. Always have done. But there's definitely times, you know, there's there's times when 
um, especially in the early days where you turn up, you know, at a hall that you've rented and, 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 and none of your students turn up and you've still got to pay for the hall and none of them's had the decency to say, I'm not coming today and um, that sort of stuff. And, you know, the argumentative parents sometimes and things, and you think, oh, really, I don't need this. But, um, <laughs> but I think those are things that everybody goes through in one guise or another, no matter what they do for a living. Yeah, yeah, for sure um i get this question a lot and, and i'm gonna throw it on to another martial artist because sometimes this this question actually annoys me a little bit sometimes i don't know if how how you feel about this question but which martial art do you think is the best and why <laughs> the unanswerable question um yet the always asked question I, this this has been going on as long as martial arts has existed i'm sure you know there was there were probably cavemen somewhere back in the dawn of time you know one was throwing a rock one was hitting the other one over the head with it both claiming to have the better system of rock attack you know um it's 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 fundamentally a flawed question isn't it you got hmm, you've got a situation where um you're talking about different styles, different systems, different traditions that come from different types of people, different community groups, different um, different places. So if I'm if I'm a farmer in the jungle and my sort of people from my place, from my from where I live geographically are usually around the five to five and a half foot kind of mark and eight stone, that's going to be completely different than say the Vikings of Norway who are, you know, who are renowned for being big, strong, you know, hefty guys that live in a, a very winter uh, Northern hemisphere kind of place where it snows an awful lot. And so their, you know, their weaponry is going to be different. The way they move is going to be different. Um, how they can practice is going to be different. What they want to do with it is going to be different. You know, if I'm fighting in a boat or if I'm fighting on a shoreline that's near to a boat, um, and I'm doing it in small marauding groups, that's going to be completely different to if I was, you know, say a, a member of a large standing army that is, and so on and so forth. And so it, everything's different. And so what I tend to say is the, the best martial arts is whichever one you prefer. That's fundamentally it. You know, it's um, if you like it, you enjoy it, you get pleasure from it. It does the things that you want it to do. Then, hey, that's the best martial art. I love that answer because that's the answer that I give everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think it's very hard, isn't it? You can't um, yeah. you can't really pin it down more than that. And you can you know you can start looking at okay, well, what's the most effective? Because again, these are YouTube videos. You know, the ten most effective martial arts, that sort of thing. And again, what's your what's your version of effective? Because I kid you not, most people I know they've got more danger of a heart attack or a stroke than they have of being mugged in the street. Um, yeah. And so the reality of it, if it keeps you healthy, if it keeps you happy, if you meet nice people, if you're enthused about getting off the sofa and away from the television for a few hours, that's great self-defense. It really is because you're doing the best thing you can by giving your body something to do. You know, so. Um, so, yeah, it's really it's really hard to pin down, you know, and it's, and, and it's I think it's um, a really sort of strange question. And, and, and I always ask why do people feel they need to ask it you know why what's the actual question behind the question do you need validation for your system or style do you need me to say what you do is the best so that you can feel better or or is it or is there something more behind that you know what are you what are you trying to get to and normally um what i tend to find is when people ask that 
quite often they're asking because they want to enroll their child into martial arts, say as an example. And so what they'll do is like, you know, well, what's the best martial arts? Because I'm thinking about getting little Johnny involved, you know. Um, but then the answer is different again, because uh, again, I say to them, what is it that you want your little Johnny to have? You know, so in 10 years time, what skills do you want to develop? You know, do you want him to be a well-rounded human being that's confident, that's good in a room, that's got good people skills, that's self-sufficient? You know, if you want all of those things, then you'd be looking at something completely different than if all you wanted was for little Johnny to be able to punch somebody's face in. (laughs) So, you know, it's such a good, it's such a good question, but it's also such a terrible question all at the same time. I know, I know. And I know exactly what you're talking about, but I've, I've noticed that um, you get this question a lot from people that are not involved in martial arts, people that are involved in martial arts, like, um, black belts and whatever system that they're in they're usually really humble about about their their art and their form and they're like yeah ours is good but you know like you just just like you said it's like what do you want out of it like my system is specifically for this does this fit your needs Mm. and i think you you hit the nail on the head with that with that because it's um you don't hear that question a lot coming from different martial artists no no not that much no, because they're so they, they because they found their they found their tribe they found their thing that like like you said that gets them out and makes them a better person all around. Mm. Um, you're a multi black belt in different systems. Which yes, systems. Which systems? So, <clears throat> well, I've done so many things over the years since I started, and it's. Um, you know, it's been one of those ongoing journeys. So I started out with some wrong steps where I did some boxing and some judo and things as a child. Um, they didn't quite pan out. So then I found karate and I loved karate and I did that for, for many years, really enjoyed that. Um, then I moved into Krav Maga and Kapap and combative things. So I did Krav Maga and Kapap for a, a long time as well, really enjoyed that. And I started looking at all kinds of um, traditional jujitsu, the, the sort of Japanese elements of that and, 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 and how that translated into what we're doing. Um, did a lot of kickboxing and Thai boxing and things as well. Um, then I got into, as you know, I said about the security stuff. So then I got into all the control and restraint, the physical intervention and, um, and all of the things that come with that communication stuff as well. So a lot of conflict management, a lot of psychology of violence, a lot of those kind of things. Um, and so, they all kind of swirl around together now. They will sort of, as you go along the way there. Um, so one of the things that I sort of do now is, 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 is something that I just call modern street systems, and it's kind of an overarching thing. Um, so it kind of embeds the best of those elements along the way that, that sort of I'm happy to present and put out in the world. Um, and, and so each and every one of those systems and things that I mentioned, they all have great value to them so as an example i did uh, taekwondo for a while and uh, and as a young man i as a younger man i should say the kicks and everything of that and the movement was fantastic really enjoyed it you know i've i've um I've done some BJJ and things now, not to any level with the BJJ, not really, but again, thoroughly enjoyed what I've done with that. Um, but they're completely different, uh, you know, different ends of the scale, if you like. And so, um, yeah. so it's a case of really that constant education, that constant learning, you know, I'm, I'm always doing that and always have done. And so wherever I 
you know, wherever I go, uh, again, same with putting on the festival, wherever I go, I'm more than happy to throw on a white belt, get stuck in and learn something new for the first time. There's, there's a pleasure in that. So, yeah. Didn't really answer your question, that, though, did it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it kind of leads into a different question. Um, did you, do you find it difficult shifting from one system to a, to another, especially at the beginning stages? And, what uh, tools do you implement to help that transition? Because throwing a punch in, let's say, Wing Chun is completely different than throwing a punch in Shotokan Karate. Completely different. Yeah, there's one of the things that I love about the martial arts is the differences that, um, that that each of them have, and they've got sort of different ways of looking at the world, right? And they've got to find somewhat, somewhat, some slightly different answers to, to to the same questions, right? But one of the things that is really interesting is that you can have um, systems from different parts of the globe throughout history, sometimes that had nothing to do with one another, um, and there's no way they could have really at that time when when all of these things were sort of coming together, but they all reach similar conclusions. And, and that I find absolutely fascinating. So when you look at that, you're like, well, the principles of things, they're consistent. We've all got two arms and two legs, most of us, you know, unless there's a reason why. But we all move in the same way, fundamentally, mechanically, we're the same. And so it's just a case then of, of flavors, if you will. Um, the principles remain the principles. They have to. So if I'm going to armbar you, you know, I, have to, I understand it's a hinge joint and it will do this and it doesn't want to do that. Call it whatever system you like that's a fundamental principle that can't be changed. And so when you look at that, there's actually more similarities than there are differences. And so, um, and I think this is really where it's interesting because anybody that's got to a reasonable level in any particular style or system, which I think everybody should, by the way, I don't think people should just pop around jack of all trades all the time. I think you should really work and spend time learning a system, a fundamental base art, to a good degree and then go out and explore and get other stuff as well. I think that foundation is really necessary and something that a lot of people sort of skip by these days. But um, but I think once you've got that initial foundation, then it's easier to find the principles in other things, which mm -hmm. hopefully should make the learning process quicker and easier. Very cool. Very cool. Um, the one thing that I've actually noticed from uh, from new new guys coming into or new new people because I've seen it with women as well. Well, women is different, but I see I've seen it specifically with men. When I was training in Sistema, um, which is like a street based martial art and was yep. military based martial art, but from more anyways, going off topic, <laughs> going off fine, on yeah. tangents. Um, they bring in their egos with them. Now we have a specific way of dealing with people who their ego gets a little bit out of control, especially new people. It's a little bit direct. A lot of people don't like it. And those people who don't like it, they know where the door is and they're more than welcome to leave. How do you deal with people, uh, with people's egos specifically? Because in martial arts, if it's not taken care of quickly, it can get out of hand. And it can do some dangerous things. Yeah. Well, anyone who's seen my uh, any of my videos or things or seen my gym, my main gym, um, they will have know they they will know that on my wall in great big letters written right across the wall is no outside shoes or egos allowed on the mats. 
um, it's there as you open the door, as you come in through the main doors to my to my to my club, to my dojo. There it is staring you in the face. Right? <laughs> so uh, so we start with that principle. Uh, of course, everyone's got an ego and ego doesn't necessarily mean something negative. We you know, we need an ego to achieve in life. So for us to excel, we need to. So so it's more about. Um, it's more about putting it to use in the right ways. And um, um, for me, it's, it, I'm very careful in regards to who I train to any level. So obviously I run a full-time martial arts place and, and people can come in the doors, they can try things out, they can be part of the classes and things. Um, but I'm very aware that, you know, that there are some things that you shouldn't just be giving out randomly to lots of people. So again, I know I do lots of TikToks and I know I do lots of um, video stuff and things like that again, but there's only so much you can get from that, I think, you know, so in the space, in, in, the, in the real world, um, I, I just tend to work on the premise that you know, if somebody's a nice person, then great. If they're not a nice person, then I don't want them in the club. I don't want to be around them. I don't want them having anything to do with my students. And so we kind of filter that out. And there was um, there was one specific case a number of years ago. Um, and so this this guy and he was one of those very aggressive kind of people tattoos all at the side of his neck wearing a muscle vest and um and, and he he just gave out this energy that was very combative very aggressive and he came and spoke to me and, and, and he basically said matt look i want to learn how to fight properly so i'm getting fights all the time and i'm and I'm, I'm i've had enough of it you know i'm a big guy you know i can handle myself a little bit but i want to really learn how to fight properly right and so I started mirroring his behavior. I started speaking in a similar fashion and posturing in a similar way. And it only took a few minutes before he says to me, he's like, Matt, what's your problem? Why are you being like this? Why are you being so aggressive for? Yeah. Why are you being a dick? Right? Um, and I said, there's your problem. It's got nothing to do with learning how to fight and everything to do with how you present into the world. So, you know, you've come in with this attitude and this and this persona and this sort of way of being and it's just rubbing people up the wrong way. So rather than learning how to fight, you know, let's let's just have a little conversation about not being like that. Anyway, the upshot of that is he didn't take that very well. He ended up leaving the gym within a couple of minutes after that. Never saw him again. He ended up going to some other MMA gym down the way there and in the weights machines and all that sort of thing. So no idea what happened to him longer term, but he's a cautionary tale that I use quite often because he really does... Uh, he really does highlight exactly um, exactly why you want to be cautious about who you have in your club and who you have around you. Yeah, um, that actually triggered a story of, uh, of a good friend of mine in Toronto at uh, Fight Club uh, with Sistema. Um, he had pretty much every piece of his skin, save for his head. So he had tattoos right from his neck all the way down to his feet. Okay. Skinned head. Well, he looked like a skinhead, um, but he had like a little buzz cut. And he looked like a scary dude. Drove a Harley, like a big, big dude too, right? And uh, you talk to him for like two seconds. He's this, he's like, like the biggest kitten that you have ever talked to. He's the mm-hmm. nicest, kindest, softest person. But you did not want to get into a fight with him. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But well, that's, again, that's something that, you sort of see over time, isn't it? Whenever you've been around martial arts for any length of time, you will see people just like that, that are just super lovely people and don't have any kind of aggression or hard edges to them. But my goodness me, physically very capable. And you would regret forcing them into that situation. Yeah. Yeah. 
why is martial arts so good? I, I have my own reasons, um, but I want to get your uh, your perspective on it. Um, so good for what? Because that's quite an open-ended question, isn't it? So <laughs> I know, I know. Um, so good for a person's, um, I guess you could say, since we're on the topic of ego, maybe uh, so good to help somebody control their ego and put their ego to good use. Um, yeah, well, it's great for um, a lot of a lot of people. They sell their martial arts gyms um, on things like uh, discipline, goal setting. You know, um, being a better person, learning to overcome obstacles. Uh, you know, all of those things. Um, and there's a truth to all of that. However, the training has to actually push people to that point. And that's really where I think sometimes it's interesting because when a lot of people um, talk about these great things that martial arts can absolutely do, what we're um, what we're talking about is being taken past where you would normally go and being pushed into um, into somewhere where you're uncomfortable so that you can grow into that space and you can develop. Now, whether that be through competition or incredibly hard training or um, high standards being set from the uh, from your student base and, and, and so on and so forth, your contemporaries, all of those things can achieve that. And so for me, that's where I think martial arts is such a wonderful thing and at its best, because what it what it can do is um, it can bring people to a point where they have to become more than they were before to move on to the next level, to move to the next step sort of thing. Now, that's where I think it's amazing. That's where I think it's fantastic. But I, I also believe you can get that from rock climbing or canoeing or chess or playing the violin or anything, I think, can give you that if it's done in the right way. So um, for me, it was martial arts. For a lot of other people, it's martial arts because that's what resonated with me and that's what made me want to be better. So, you know, I was introduced to a fantastic peer group. I was introduced to a structure. The negatives were turned into positives. So, hey, it turns out that, you know, I had some anger issues and you know, I, used to, I used to lose my temper and I used to be very physical. And it turns out that, hey, do you know what? If you hone that, if you put that in the right place, if you learn to use it the right way, it suddenly it becomes a positive and you can take that out into the world and and turn it into something that's 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 got a really good use you know so um so that for me that's the kind of thing that i think is that martial arts overall when it's done correctly can actually i think embed embed really good um lessons within people so that then they can take that out into the into the world and conversely though there is the other side of that coin which is you know martial arts can turn into some kind of crazy cult um and it and, yeah. and it becomes this you know worship me as a deity kind of thing so there there's always a flip side to the coin but done well it can i think it can be such a healthy thing for people to do um even if they never want to fight you know even if they never want to get in a ring that's doesn't have to be the point you know your 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 fight your competition is with yourself is with you yesterday that's the real fight not somebody else so yeah i think that's where the value of it is in that i think that's where the magic of it is let's flip the switch on this ego thing and go on the opposite end of the spectrum uh, let's talk about people who are um quite passive very introverted and very uh 
scared of everything, scared of their shadow. I used to joke that I'm afraid of my own shadow. And people told me, what are you afraid of? I'm like, my shadow. Okay. <laughs> what can what can martial arts do for those people and help them come out of their shell, so to speak? Well, again, that sort of comes back to confidence and everything for a bit, doesn't it? Well, firstly, you've got, yeah. um, again, you've got the two different sides of the coin, right? So when you think about us as a species and us evolving, right, we need those people that are willing to push the envelope and, and, and go out into the world and do crazy things, right? We need those people for us to progress, for, for things to happen. Okay? However, if every single one of us in the world went, oh, look, a colorful snake, right? We wouldn't survive very long as a species. So we need yeah. the people to go, whoa, don't touch that. <laughs> so, so the idea is, again, as I said a minute ago about, about bringing the um, bringing people to a point where negatives can be positives, the same can apply here. So if you've got somebody that's super aggressive, you can bring that down and own that in. If somebody is very, very timid, very insecure, very sort of um, anxious and things, again, you can build those people up by the little wins. And that's really the, the, the building blocks. And that's, that's where the start points are. Because for somebody to even step through the doors of a martial arts gym for the first time takes courage. And I, I, I don't know whether you remember your very first time doing that, but it's a scary place. You know, it smells funny. It's full of weird people. They're all dressed like weirdos. And, um, you know, and, and it is. It's, it's overwhelming in so many ways. So just stepping through the doors of a gym can be a real challenge. You know? And then when you look at those little, those little micro wins, you know, the, the first time that you get a technique right, the first time that you do something, you think that felt good. You know, the first grading, the first time one of your fellow students or even the instructor says, well done or good job. You know, all of those things, they all build. And, and just having that place to be and that place where you can fail because you're meant to fail. Again, that's the whole point of the exercise. You know, you're meant to fail and you're meant to do it over and over again until finally you succeed. And then eventually you start succeeding more and more regularly. You know, you're in a place where it's safe to do that and it's okay to do that. And the consequences aren't, you know, terrible. The consequences are a pat on the back. Never mind, try again. So I, I think for, for, for people that have confidence issues, that may be a bit anxious, that have that sort of fear of things, I think martial arts can be an absolutely fantastic place to, um, to, to work on that and to try and uh, try and look at addressing some of those things because spending your entire life scared is, well, that can't be any fun. You know, that can't be a nice place to be. No, no. And I actually remember the first time I was introduced to Sistema. It was in uh, North York, district north of Toronto. And um, it was a Russian Spetsna that was, uh, that brought this, the, the, that martial arts to can to Toronto. And I heard about it. I'm like, oh, come on, what do the Russians know? Come on. Like, seriously, it's the, the Russians, but Oh my God, walking into that gym, seeing just men there with like barefoot and like, like, uh, they're like the, the camel pants and just a, a little, like just a t-shirt and the smiles on everybody's faces. And I'm watching this and they're just getting hounded hounded by each other 
and the smiles on their face. I'm like, these guys are messed up. I don't know what the hell's going on here, but this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. I did my first class and I walked out with a smile from this ear to this ear. And you couldn't wipe it, wipe it from my face for a week. I'm like, I have become one of these men. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's it, isn't it? I mean, that's it. You find that sort of commonality, that that camaraderie, that shared experience. And then that 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 you know, if, if you're really lucky, that's something that lasts an absolute lifetime. And, um, and I know it's definitely done that for me. And, and I still have lifelong friends that I made during those early days of training. And it's, it is life-changing. You know, I can't stress that enough for people. Yeah. 100%. Uh, let's, let's, uh, change gears here a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about, uh, how technology is, uh, influencing martial arts. How is, how do you see modern technology um, forming the new way of martial arts? Uh, well, again, we've got to learn to adapt and uh, and move with the times, haven't we? There's uh, so again, myself and Kai Morgan, we wrote a book um, called Online Martial Arts Evolution or Extinction a few years ago, where just before we went into the global issues that we all faced. Um, we wrote the book just before then, not knowing what was going to ensue. And so we looked at we looked at online teaching. We looked at um, how that is going to sort of pan out, how it's going to affect us and everything. But the reality of it is we've always, always moved with the times throughout our training and we've always adapted and changed. So, you know, if we go back and we go right back, you know, we're talking paintings on pottery, paintings on walls, we're talking scrolls, we're talking books. And then as we come through, we're talking magazines, we're talking VHS tapes, video, we're talking, um, you know, Betamax. And, <laughs> and, and, and as we go through each time that, that that new iteration of technology brings us to the next step. I mean, I remember as a child getting the martial arts magazines and flipping them open to see the, to see the photo um, there'd be like a, a series of eight or 10 photographs yeah. showing you this technique yeah. and you'd be scratching your head trying to figure out what that actually represented. But that's what we had at the time. And then we moved into, you know, back in the days, the old 1970s Kung Fu movies and things with the terrible plots and the lip syncing and stuff. And, <laughs> and you'd watch for those two or three minutes where the fights would happen and you'd try and analyze those, and break those down. And then, you know, then you were really lucky because then VHS and things came out and you could actually pause it, rewind it, come back to it. Um, and then people started selling courses and it was like, wow, now I've got instructors in my front room. You know, now I can have them on my television, you know, if I'm lucky enough to have these things. And then when you go from that, we had, you know, the onset of YouTube and then we started having you know, video downloads and then we started streaming. And now we're in a position where um, you can go live to the world globally from your dojo, from your front room, from wherever um, right now. And you can talk to everyone and you can show them and you can work with people. So I think the reality of it is, is that it's ever changing. It's always going to be you know, what comes next, you know, so whether what comes next is VR or virtual reality or even AI, I mean, that's going to impact as well when it comes to the knowledge side of things. So all of that is something we'll have to factor in as we go along. Um, but I think realistically, there's always going to be a need for in the flesh, on the ground, touching style communication and teaching. Um, you know, there, there's just some things that there are some things that you can get across from a book, from a video, from you know, from a, from Zoom like this, 
but there's no way that I can that I can have that direct interaction with you. You know, so I can't tell you that your movement is slightly off and things, your balance is slightly, you know, these are things that you can only really do in the flesh. So there's always going to be a need for that, I think. Um, and it's just how we how we then build on that. So that physical and then how we use technology surrounding that to to make our physical training better. And I think that's really the best outcome we can look for. You, I agree with you. I agree with you with that with that point. But do you think that it's pulling away a little bit of the um, that, that human um, the, that, that human element, that human derivative where one partner is completely different from another partner when you're sparring with them? That mm -hmm. that for me is how you learn the best way is to just be changing partners all the time. When you're doing stuff through Zoom, through this and that, it's great to learn the techniques. But the variable of the individual is removed. What do mm. you think on, on that? Oh, yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. But then again, it's the natural order of things. So if you think about, say, let's just say karate because it's a well-known format and it's practiced around the world by uh, millions, if not billions, right? So if we look at karate and we say it's a traditional art that's got its roots and it's, it's deep in history, the truth is karate as we know it today is about 100 years old. It's not actually that traditional at all. We've, we've taken a lot of... Um, you know, stuff and said it's traditional, but it's not. Um, Taekwondo is another one that's not actually that traditional. But when we look at karate and we think, okay, Funakoshi, when he sort of started doing all these things, when, when karate started coming out, it was formatted in a way that it could be taught to the masses reasonably safely on rinse and repeat. You know, that's why you had all these static lines of people punching into the air and things, right? So that it could be done. So essentially, we're just doing a modern day version of that using a camera and a microphone. But essentially, it's the same premise. It's teaching to the masses. Now, again, you could have the argument that the, the McDojo side of things and it's watering down and all of that. And again, I, you know, I agree with all of that 100 you know? percent. Um, but I think we've got to be aware that there's a real problem when you say about, well, it's got to be better in the flesh because you know, we're getting that that interaction. Actually, how many times have you heard about bad instructors behind closed doors, you know, that run schools or even associations where they're not allowed to go outside of that association? They can't go and try their things elsewhere. They're pulled into this cult. And what they're actually learning is is way, way worse than a very good instructor teaching via Zoom. So, it, again, it's, it's, it's difficult, isn't it, to be able to weigh that up? Um, but I think it's inevitable that we move with the times. We have to, because one of the things I'm acutely aware of with what I do now, and, th and this is this is something that I this is a genuine fear that I have. And that is that in the modern world today, you can be a 21 year old kid with three years martial arts experience. And I'm not knocking any of that. Um, and you could open up your own school and, and get like hundreds of students. Why? Because you're good at marketing, because you're good at social media. Now, what I'm also seeing is people with 30, 40 years of martial experience who are exceptionally good martial artists who are who are barely making ends meet in a church hall or have given up entirely because they can't work social media, because they're not very good at marketing, because they don't know how to present themselves in that space. And so we are losing this huge library of knowledge. We are losing a lot of heritage, a lot of people that we absolutely should work really hard to keep. 
because of the way the modern world is. You know, I, I, and you know, we've all seen it. We, it's out there in the world now. We've all seen it. There's huge franchises. There's huge business models. There are business mentors out there that work and do nothing but try to you know, basically help school owners grow. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. Of course not. That's the natural order of things. But we do have to be careful that we don't fall into this trap of, you know, this, this very surface knowledge of martial arts, but superb marketing against really, really good, strong martial history and background and embedded knowledge, you know, that we don't lose that. So what do you do? That's the question, isn't it? What do we do? Yeah, I, I agree with you because I remember the days where it's like uh, when I first started in uh, Shotokan, I was in the it was in the mid 80s. And um, my sensei was this. Uh, he came from Okinawa, directly from Okinawa, and he brought the Okinawan system to Toronto. And everybody in the everybody in the dojo, there was a yearly trip to Japan. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I was way too young to go by myself, and my dad didn't couldn't afford to send him and myself to Okinawa, and I I missed out huge. I know I missed out huge, but there was always this mysticism, this 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 um, this this um, this otherworldly adventure to a different country, to a different culture, and to learn from real masters in japan karate it was like this and you're it was like this whole um how do i explain it it was like this whole like amazing feeling that you had Ooh, i'm gonna go learn from the masters mm. now you don't have the masters and the real masters like you said and i'm 100 percent agreeing with you with this they're starving mm. they're starving and i wish i had an answer for you but what are some suggestions that you think that you know we can get back to that mystic master um that everybody's talking about and no it's so hard to find this master kind of thing uh i, I pessimistic side of me says i'm not sure that we can i think society as a whole has changed so much now that um, I think what's the type of training and way of life that used to be expected to learn martial arts is now passed us by. It's gone. We now live in a, in a you know, in a right now generation, a throwaway generation. You know, we now live in a world where, you know, uh, Netflix is everything's now McDonald's. Everything's now, you know, people haven't got the patience and the time, excuse me, or it seems to be a lot of that that is, is there. And so the formatting is different. Uh, so when I first started, you, you know, you, 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 you didn't expect anything for years. You, you put the work in first. Um, yeah. And then after years of putting the work in, if you was really lucky, somebody would, you know, somebody would actually pay attention to you. And then you could start learning the good stuff, if you like. Um, so I think fundamentally, the, the, there's two things that people can do to help the situation. Uh, number one is to recognize that a, um, a lot of what is being passed as martial arts now isn't actually martial arts. That doesn't mean, mean it's bad, by the way. But if we're talking about sport combat, if we're talking about modern day sporting application of martial arts, they're separate things. 
And so it's understanding that for starters. Secondly, it's it's trying to help the people that really do have the knowledge but don't have the modern day knowledge of tech and marketing and things. It's helping those people to come forward. So, um, you know, something I really enjoy being part of and doing is is working with the older generations of martial artists, the ones that have all the knowledge but don't really have the, the tech and helping them to be able to present into a modern medium, into a modern world. Because um, that's something that we have to do so that we don't lose it. You know, that's that's I think really important because so many people are are giving up, um, and 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 then we need to value it more. I mean, fundamentally, that's one of the key things we need to value it. There, again, like a lot of people that I speak to of my sort of age, it wasn't unusual for us to get into a car, drive for four or five hours train for a few hours turn around and drive back or even sleep in the back of the car and things you know and, and because we we wanted to train with these people and we would it was that important to us nowadays it's it seems that you know a lot of people there if it's more than half an hour away as long as you can't be bothered um and th there's a lot of that sort of going on so yeah I, again i'm not trying to sound like one of those old people that are like oh it's so much better in my day and everybody today's because i don't mean it like that um but i i I think for us to try and get the best out of both worlds, we need to be able to take the old and the traditional and the, 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 the embedded knowledge and find a way to be able to put that out in the modern world. And that's the sort of holy grail, isn't it? But how we achieve that, I honestly don't know. Yeah, it's, um, it's a shame because uh, I come from that generation too. I come from that generation where I was on a bus for an hour and a half just to go to my dojo to to practice 60 mm. minutes and then another hour and a half on the bus back. And, uh, and not because I wanted to, but because I loved it up until I got into a little bit of an argument with my sensei, which he was right. I was wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's a story on right. its own, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, I wanted my black belt because I was beating up black belts in tournaments. And he's like, nope, you're too young. I'm like, nope, but I'm beating up black belts. He's like, nope, you're too young and you're not ready yet. And I'm like, no, nope, I'm ready. 12-year-old little punk. Yeah. He was right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, hey, again, it's one of those, isn't it? Sometimes we 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 look back and we think, you know what? Now that I've now that I've got a few years behind me, I can look at that and I can say, now I understand a bit more. And um, yeah, I think we're all guilty of that. And we, we've all done it, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Even for me, just to say to my sensei, um, I'm ready for my black belt. That right there just shows that I wasn't ready for it. Yeah, well, I think the, the, the difference now with a lot of places, the difference now is that, you know, if the you of that period of time, the 12-year-old you had said that to your sensei back then, um, sorry, today, then what would happen is you would have been told, no, you're not ready. And the 12 year old you now would almost certainly move to another school where you could achieve that in the next few months. And that that's a factor and that's happening a lot. And I think, um, again, this is, this, this, this is a bit of an awkward one because you've got to be, you can't lump everyone with the same brush, but I'm, 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 I now live in a world where there are 12, 13 year old fourth and fifth dance walking around and, you know, I'm, I'm just that that's that's just something that is beyond my capability of rationalizing besides somebody just looking to make money. Yeah. Um, but therein lies the problem, because if you as an instructor say no, 
a lot of the times now in the modern world, they'll just move to somewhere that will say yes. And um, yeah, and that's part of the again, that's part of the wider problem. But um, you can't that you can't focus on what others are doing, unfortunately, though. All you can do is sort of manage your own standards and um, and hope that the right people understand why you're doing it the way you're doing it. Generally speaking, what do you feel about the uh, the belt system? Because I have my own personal things against it. Okay, well, what what have you got against it? <laughs> um, it's it's exactly what you just what you just what you just said. It's it's a means for uh, dojos to make some extra coin. Um, I remember when the belt systems first came in. And it was only to differentiate. Um, there was only two belts, white belt and black belt. And it started, it originated in uh, Japan, especially in karate. And um, it was only to differentiate the advanced students from the beginning, from the beginner students. Mm. And it wasn't up until in North America where they started bringing in all the different colors of the rainbow for the different things because the schools mm. in North America realized, well, we can monetize on the graduation of the students. So for yeah. me, I don't. I personally don't like it. I personally don't like it. Yeah. Oh, well, my understanding is that um, the belt system was origi originally brought in in judo, and it was uh, there was two reasons for it. Number one, uh, it was suggested that it was a way to keep the Western people engaged because they needed rewards. They needed. Um, they needed that periodic pat on the back, jolly good job, well done, right? So yeah. the Western mind needs that allegedly. So that was the first thing, and secondly, it was it was done as a way where you could um, you could standardise, right? So if you were in the UK training with a recognised body and organisation under that particular association, and you then got on a plane and flew to Vancouver, you could go to a club also within your association and the instructor there could recognize your standard by the color belt you were wearing and know how they should teach you and what they should teach. So there was that, there were, those were the two main sort of reasons I believe anyway, as, as, as my understanding is that was given towards the belt system. The, the problem is, is uh, as you rightly pointed out there, it's become, uh, it's become a great income generator. It's become a fantastic way to inflate people's importance. Um, and it's, it's become almost uh, obsolete as a level as, as, as any kind of actual barometer of capability um, because there's so much difference between schools, between systems, between everything. So uh, if you look at BJJ at the moment, as an example, now BJJ are fighting really hard to keep that standard with, with regards to their, um, their belt systems, but they're, you know, even, even that's losing that their way a little bit. Um, when you look at some of the other systems now, you know, I'm going to name one just because it's fact and, um, you know, people can sort of get annoyed. I don't really mind. It's not my fault. Um, so, but if we look at say Taekwondo as an example, there um, here in the UK, there's a terrible problem with small children being awarded Dan grades and quite high Dan grades as well. And, you know, when you've got, when you've got a 10, 12 year old walking around with a second, third Dan, and you're thinking, well, it took me over 10 years to get my first Dan, never mind anything else. You know, it's a, it's an insult. It's for those that yeah. did, you know, work really hard for it. Um, and so that's where it's becoming difficult because the belt, the, the, you know, the Dan grades, the belt system, it used to represent a level of ability and understanding and knowledge. 
and now it doesn't. It, 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 you could almost say for a lot of places, it, it just represents how much money they've paid. Yeah, and um, to my understanding, for in order for you to, um, the whole the whole idea behind the black belt was your maturity to adulthood, mm. your maturity from a child to a man or a woman. So, how is a ten year old boy or girl with a third degree third dan black belt? How are they a man or a woman? You don't have the, that full yeah. understanding, and that—that's my biggest. That's my biggest beef with the belt system. Yeah, it is a genuine concern, you know. And and again, like I say, all you can do really is, um, all you can do really is work within the confines of your group and your organization and who your students. So, you know, I do use a, a belt system. Um, I went. 15 16 16 without doing a single grading because i wasn't bothered i'm not interested i'm still not interested um you know given my age and my experience and how long i've been doing it and my peers and things i should probably technically be graded much higher than i am if you look at it like that as that progression but i, I don't care i'm not bothered by any of that um but i do grade my students and the reason that i that i do that is because there is that um there is that standardization there is that um they have to hit the target to get it right there's no uh, th there's no um leeway given you either you either hit that target or you fail right? and i and i'm very strong on that and i believe that's really important because if i lower that standard and this is where it comes it comes to me as 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 really being important if i lower the standard today so that somebody can reach that so that somebody can reach the target that they couldn't otherwise reach I am now dismissing all of the hard work that every single person that's gone before has put in and I'm doing them an injustice. Um, and so for me, those standards have to be in place. I don't give black belts to, to juniors. I don't. Um, I've got a junior black belt, right? And they can have one of those when they've earned it, right? But that doesn't mean they're a black belt. That means they're a junior black belt. And when they get to an adult, they have to do the entire black belt all over again as an adult would. Um, it's again each to their own and, and everyone's entitled to do things the way they want to do them i don't you know i don't own everyone else um mm -hmm. but what i but what i can do and what i do do is I, I i do say to people well look whatever you think you're doing within your club system organization it has a wider impact on martial arts in general and you know, there's there's already a lot of people outside of the martial arts that look at us and think bunch of weirdos um, with good reason a lot of the time. OK, but what we're doing is we're devaluing something that that's, should be really important. You know, when I was a child, a black belt was very, a, very rare in any system, very rare. And B, you know, they they were tough people. They were strong people. They were people yes. that really knew what they were doing. And you'd meet a black belt and there was something about them. You know, there was that aura. There was that confidence. There was that they've gone through it to get to that status, you know. And, and we seem to be missing a lot of that these days, I think. Yeah, yeah. That's why I love my system. That's why I love Sistema. We have no belts. We have no tournaments. Um, we have a level system, uh, level one through five. And we have a an instructor course, and that's that's about it. The level the levels are just basically how confident are you fighting the amount of people? Like level mm -hmm. one is fighting one person confidently. And you know, you're not gonna get the hot if you get to the hospital, the doctor's gonna be working on the other person more than they're gonna be working on you. 
Level two is that you can fight two people at the same time. Level three, three people. Level four, four people. Level five, five people. Uh, more than five people surrounding you, it's going to be tough for them to get get to you. But that's how we have it. And I like that system because it's it, it, it removes that it removes that that aspect of, you know, I don't have to worry about getting buying a belt. I don't have to worry about paying for tests. It's like, okay, the guy's confident or the girl's confident fighting one person. All right, I guess she's level two. Let's see how she yep. does or let's see how he does with two people at the same time. Yeah, different different measurements, isn't it? So, I mean, I've got um, I've got kickboxers at my club that like to kickbox. They do the sport kickboxing. They don't claim to do martial arts. They claim to do kickboxing, which is a sport. It has rounds. It has rules. Now, for those guys, their measurement is win-loss records, right? So they don't they don't grade and do belts because that's not how they measure themselves. Their measurement is whether they win the fight, whether they win the competition. And so that win-loss record is their measurement. Um, and then with the, the CAPAP stuff, the military stuff, then, again, there's no belt system. There are levels, as you've just described, very similar because they're similar kind of things in, in regards to their military-based and they come from military backgrounds. And, um, and, and they have their criteria isn't to win a round or you know, perform a technique in front of a panel in the right way. The criteria for that is to get the job done and get home safe, you know? So yes. they're, they're designed to do different things. So they're not, none of them are wrong, but none of them are completely right. Are you there? Uh, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So true. Uh, we're coming up close to the end of the show. And these are the seven or eight questions or 10 questions. I added a new, a new question today specifically moving okay. forward i added a new question so you're going to get the first new question oh cool ask okay. all my guests um with the increase in people suffering from depression from the from the two three three years that we've been living through the uncertainty that we've been living through what would be the one thing that you could tell them to keep their hopes up uh, i would say um that what I found, what I personally found, and I, I, again, I can't speak for everyone else, but what I personally found was in amongst all the craziness that went on, in amongst all of the very difficult and challenging times that everybody went through, there was a lot of kindness to be found. There was a lot of people coming together, communities coming together. Um, and, I, and I think out of, you know, whenever there's adversity, whenever there's difficult times, whenever there's challenges that, um, you know, in amongst that, there are those little pockets of, of just really, really unbelievable human kindness. And we should really be focusing on those. You know, you can you can find the good or the bad in anything if you look hard enough. And it's trying to see the good, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, what's the one thing that you do daily that amplifies your ability to stay focused? Well, one of the things that I do every day without question is I practice a thing called gratitude. Now, um, it sounds a bit wishy-washy and it sounds like, oh, God, he's one of those, you know, it's a bit of a, uh, but the truth is, I, I, I these days I have a lovely life. I'm very privileged to have the life that I have and I've worked damn hard for it, but, um, you know, but I didn't used to have this life at all. And one of the things that I'm, as I mentioned a minute ago, you can find the good if you want, you can find the bad if you want. So every day, every morning, I think about all that's great in my life, all the wonderful things that I have. I think about all the wonderful things that I'm looking to have. I think about great things that I get to do. So as an example, this morning, you know, uh, while I was having my cup of tea in my garden with the sun, it was beautiful. I was thinking about having this conversation with you and the fact that we can do that now and the fact that the technology exists. 
that we can have this conversation and we, and we can speak like this and meet fantastic people. So, um, yeah, so for me, gratitude. And, 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 and again, when it comes to martial arts, I don't want people to misunderstand. You know, I'm a guy in my 50s now. I'm broken. I'm busted up. and My hands are ruined. I've, um, I've spent many years working security, rolling around in, 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 in all sorts of things. So my body's been through the ringer. Um, but I'm still grateful that I can do the things that I can do. I certainly can't do everything that I used to be able to do, but I'm very grateful that I can still do some of the things. And I'm still grateful that I can train, you know, just to be in and around it still and being involved is something to always be grateful for. Very cool. If you could pick up the phone right now and call yourself at 20 years old, what would you tell yourself? <laughs> uh, make better choices. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, again, it's one of those, isn't it, where I, um, you can't regret the things that you've done because they're what's put you where you are, right? So, you know, even the stupid stuff, if I'd have done it differently, I may not be sat here today having this conversation with you. So uh, so it's quite hard like that. But I think I would, I, I think I would definitely tell myself that there's a, a much bigger world out there than you think. And and you can access it and you can be a part of it. Because uh, as a 20 year old, my my worldview was very, very small and it was very um, insular. And I had beliefs in myself that, um, that, you know, that didn't belong there. But when you're a kid, sometimes that happens, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> uh, looking back, would you change anything? <laughs> Well, I think I've just sort of answered that question, haven't I? And said that, you know, uh, that we wouldn't be where we're sat now. So it's it's one of those where, um, of course, there are things where in theory I would change. So, you know, when you look back, so as an example, my father committed suicide when I was a teenager, right? So would I change that? Um, well, of course, I'm going to say absolutely, because I miss my dad and I miss the years that we could have had and I miss him seeing my children and, you know, all of these wonderful things. However... I'm also equally aware that if he hadn't have done what he did, I would not have pursued the martial arts in the way that I did. And I wouldn't have become the person that I am now. So you know, it's a real tough one, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, here's the new question. What's more important to a man, his word or his purpose? Oh, good question. Good question. Um, I think I think your word is just so valuable. Um, and I think it's got way more value than people sometimes give it credit for. Um, you know, and, and I, I think I'm going to say your word because. Well, because it just interact, it impacts on everything. You know, if you if 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 you become somebody that's known to you know, be unreliable and not keep your word or a liar or a cheat or whatever else, then um, the, the impact on that is is incredible. And, and you know, it, what is your purpose? What it, it, So it, I don't think it really matters what your purpose is if you have to be a bad person to get there. You know, I, I don't know. It's a hard one, isn't it, You know, in that regard? Because some people would say, you know, well, the reason that they climbed Everest or discovered Africa or you know, invented penicillin or whatever it is along the way, they probably fibbed a bit. Um, <laughs> means to an ends kind of deal. So, yeah, that's a really interesting question and a great philosophical debate and probably something that you could do a podcast all on its own about. I think so. <laughs> um, what scares you? 
Ah, again, another really interesting question. Um, okay, so again, a little bit of vulnerability and honesty here. Um, I've, I've, I've just had to deal with family being in hospital. Um, they're of that age now where it's very challenging. They're, they're um, ill more and more of the time. They're more and more weak. They can't really do the things that they used to do. And, and I'm seeing that and being around that. And, and I fear that. You know, I fear losing that physicality and that being, you know, I've always been very physical, very strong, very vibrant, you know, very capable. Um, I've always had that. And, and that's been part of my life and part of my identity and who I am. And the idea of one day that not being there, that does, that is scary. Mm -hmm. Where do you see modern samurai online and different think in the next five years? Uh, well, with the modern samurai and the schools and things, I'm I'm I like where they're at now. You know, the size is great. I'm comfortable with that. I like having that interaction with people. I don't want to be a manager, so um, that side of things is hopefully just going to sort of continue as it is, um, and and we'll build that out like that. The the online version of things now there's there's so much scope and opportunity going forward that. Um, hopefully yeah we can we can put that to work we can leverage that we can do some things with it and reach loads of people so i'd like to see that expand out um i'm doing more and more in regards to social media much bigger followings now and so um yeah so i'd like to see that expand out and and different think which is the social media consulting that i do the uh, the marketing side of, of what i do um, again that's something that is growing and i want that to be much much bigger in the next couple of years that's really my main focus at the moment uh with regards to moving forward because as i obviously as i get older uh, i can, i'm less and less capable of teaching hour after hour night after night and so um that 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 will go down to my instructor team and i'll i'll oversee and do a little less but i, I like new challenges i like new things and so as new tech develops as new stuff comes out into the world you know it's great to, to 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 focus on learning those things and putting that out so yeah so my aim for the different thing is to grow and to expand and to be um and, and to be relevant in five years yeah <laughs> hope we haven't Very all been cool. swallowed by ai <laughs> uh how about you personally where do you see yourself personally in the next five years well um at the moment, I'm studying for a PhD, um, which is really enjoyable. So I'm hoping to have finished that by then. Um, I'm, <laughs> so it would be uh, that's something I'd like to have done by that stage. Uh, I'd also like to write another couple of books. I, I enjoy writing; it's something I'd like to do a lot of. So I'd like to have another couple of books out. And um, and yeah, I've got some personal goals as well that I'd like to achieve. Um, so yeah, basically, I'd like to get the PhD and a few more books out. Those are the some of the main goals. Very cool. Where can people find more about you? Uh, the usual sort of places. You can just stick my name, Matt State, into um, Facebook or Google or what have you. You'll find me there. You can look for Modern Samurai online. Um, I don't think that I'm a feudal warrior from... Uh, from Japan in years gone by. That's the name of my club before anybody says anything. So, but you can find me through that or of course, Different Think Limited. It'd be just uh, www.differentthink.co.uk and you'll find me there. Very cool. Any final thoughts? Um, no, not really. Just have a fantastic day. Thank you very much for asking me on. It's been a, a genuine pleasure and I've enjoyed chatting. Matt, thank you so much. Um, I always love bringing on martial artists on the show. Um, 
it's just martial artists have this this unique perspective of the world and you know especially when it comes to hardship and how to get out of it um i've been involved with martial arts in and out of martial arts for the majority of my life and i know how powerful it can be and what you're doing with everything is just next level so i really appreciate you for all the for all the knowledge that you're bringing onto the show and for all the stuff that you're doing with modern samurai online and different things because i i i really think it's really important especially as we said earlier in the show to help these old school martial artists really bring uh a new fresh look to their marketing scheme and get their word out because i think they're i think that is where it's supposed to be at i think you're onto something there so i really appreciate it and look forward to uh seeing a lot more of your work oh thank you thank you for having me on appreciate it going through hard times is just a test what you need to know is that when you get out of whatever you're going through you will be stronger than ever before and you don't need to go through it alone always know that you are not alone stay tuned for more real people with amazing stories that are just like yours until everyone out there listening, I wish you a good morning, good afternoon, or good night, wherever you may be in this crazy world. Hey guys, John from Resilient Reboot Productions and the Fitness Oracle. I just wanted to thank you for watching this episode, and I really do hope that you enjoyed it. Please don't forget to subscribe, hit that bell, and share this episode if you are watching this on YouTube or on Rumble. If you are listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker FM, or whatever streaming service that you may be using, please give us a five-star rating and a positive review as it will help us reach out to more people that are suffering from mental health issues. Now, if you haven't done so already, um, I am offering access to a free weekly newsletter that we send out every Sunday and it would and it's jam-packed with podcasting tips and health and wellness tips to keep you balanced um in the podcasting and content creating space so if you haven't done so already sign up to this free newsletter it's uh it's totally free and it also gives you access to the uh the fitness oracle private community in mighty networks where we talk about this episode we talk about how to implement how you have implemented these uh, lessons that you've picked up in your life and how it's impacted your life. And we are working on a lot of great other programs and and uh, support systems for you guys to be able to, uh, to access. So if you haven't done so already, sign up to the newsletter and uh, I'll see you guys on the inside.